Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. this podcast and tonight i am joined by trey and john and we are going to just completely go nerd out on this and talk about video games because i i uh so what gave me this idea was i recently went on a kick and decided to revisit mass effect and the mass effect legendary series or uh, legendary edition has come out recently that has all three games plus all the downloadable content plus some bonus features and uh, all kinds of fun stuff and so uh, for the past three months I have been playing my way through the entire Mass Effect trilogy and I I just completed it uh, last weekend and and then I got I got to uh, sitting down because with this new game or uh, computer system that I got it came with a year pass of uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass. Yeah, the Game Pass. And so my son and I, over the weekend, we were sitting down and we were looking at everything that's on Game Pass, and and like I was looking at all the all the Halo games, the Master Chief uh, trilogy, and then looking at um, like all of the Gears of War games were on there. There was there's a uh, Mech Warrior 5. I didn't know there was a Mech Warrior 5, which really excites me because I've played like every Mech Warrior game that's ever come out for since I was uh, like a kid. So, so we were going through that, and I was like, man, there's a lot of good games on here. And then my son games with me, and we got to talking about different games and stuff, and games that I was going to play on the Game Pass, and games that he wanted to play. I was like, you know what? Instead of talking about a serious topic on this live stream. I'll say I'll push that off for another episode. I want to talk about video games and like talk about our gaming history and stuff like that. So Trey, introduce yourself and then we'll let John introduce himself and then we'll just kind of dive right into it because y'all already kicked it off before we even started. So yeah, I'm, I'm Trey Fifty Daniel. You know, I, I stream uh, myself playing some games over on uh, Twitch um, pretty often. So I've played you know a lot of 
a lot of a huge variety of games, you know, RPGs, and I'm, I mainly play uh, shooter games or FPS games. So. Very cool. John, introduce yourself. All right. Well, I'm John, and uh, apologies for the lack of the camera. I don't really have one to use at the moment, so I just look like an NPC. Um, I have a pretty big history with Nintendo gaming mostly, but I've also been playing on PC for the past, like, three or so years, three, four years. I play a very large variety of games, a lot of shooters, a lot of sort of open world games, lot, lots of different things, really. It's very, I don't have very picky tastes, really. Yeah, I've always kind of just uh, jumped into whatever looked interesting or something like if something caught my attention. Uh, I've had a subscription to Game Informer for, I don't, remember how long uh i have like literally stacks and stacks of of game informers from years and years and years and if i see something that's uh like on the cover or something like that they write an article about as a, a game coming out sometime in the future i'll kind of pay attention to it and then when it drops i'll check it out if it still looks like something i'm interested in or if not then not and yeah i don't have a real specific genre i kind of uh go whatever direction looks fun and cool. I've never gotten into uh, racing games. My brother played a lot of like Forza and, and some of that kind of stuff. And I just, I never could get into to those sorts of games, but just about any other genre I've uh, dabbled in a bit here and there. So, so what, what is a, uh, what is like a staple that you would think is your one game throughout your gaming history that you would say is the one that you played, uh, maybe either played the most or got the most enjoyment out of. So I've, I've probably put the most time that that I've ever spent has been in the Call of Duty series, like because you know I've been following that since uh, World at War, since I you know started playing World at War. That that was my first like experience of like a shooter game because because you know growing up my parents would only let me play sort of the you know, more kid-friendly games, you know, even even when I'm, I'm, I'm like 12 years old, they're like, you know, oh, you know, here, play this, you know, this, this little, you know, kid-friendly sort of kind of games. Uh, I So, you know, my first real gaming experience was like some stuff like Spyro the Dragon, you know, really, really kid-friendly titles and stuff like that. So get jumping into Call of Duty and something serious like that, uh, that series just sucked me in and I played ever since then all the way up until the previous title like I, I really haven't played the current year's game that much uh but i still play warzone so from time to time so call of duty's probably got the most time as a series uh out of out of, out of my gaming experience okay well for me i guess in terms of like i have to kind of split it in terms of single and multiplayer because i do like a pretty even 50 50 split so I suppose for like single player, I'd either have to say the Legend of Zelda franchise or maybe the Batman Arkham franchise. They are both games that like game series that I absolutely love playing when I want to play a single player game and I just kind of want to do it to my, with myself. And I don't know, I just love them for the like generally having really good exploration, pretty good, you know, combat, puzzle solving, stuff like that. It's just a mixed bag of good things. And then for multiplayer, probably Rainbow Six Siege. It's the one I've easily put the most hours into. And I don't know, I just really like the 
high intensity of it. And especially because just today they just launched the seventh year of uh, DLC content for it. So that's got me hyped. <laughs> yeah, I actually played the uh, the new Extraction, Rainbow Six Extraction game. Uh, had, did you try that at all? Or I have not, and I'm not super interested in it, honestly. Like, I've watched gameplay of it, and it doesn't really seem like my kind of thing. Yeah, I, I kind of like the co-op sort of horde modes, you know, that the Call of Duty, like the zombies mode kind of thing, stuff like that. Like the, in the missions and extractions are, were actually, you know, fun for me. Uh, in, you know, the co-op aspect of like being able to go through those missions together was fun. So my first experience with, with Rainbow Six anything was Rainbow Six Vegas 2. Uh, which Rainbow Six Vegas 2 is infinitely better than Rainbow Six Vegas 1. If you haven't played either of them, uh, but it was you could you could do uh, uh, cooperative with it, and so two people could play and work through the missions and stuff, and and it was a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of uh, like strategy because you have your your squad mates with you, and you have to you can send them out to to different locations and uh, and set up like the way you plan your attacks and stuff. And it was it was a really fun game. It had a really cool or a really uh, a good storyline and a plot to it it was it was well well told plus the game controls and everything um and the customization of your character and changing your your body armor and your weapons and stuff uh, that was one that i spent a lot of time on and uh siege is one that my so i have a 13 year old son that uh he games more than he probably should honestly and uh siege is one that i have had it suggested that I need to look at, but I just haven't, uh, I haven't dedicated that much time to uh, getting into it at this point. And uh, most of what I have been playing over the last several years. So when I was in college, I was big on Halo two. And, and then when Halo three came out, I, I actually had a, uh, a weekend group that we would get on every Friday and Saturday night around nine o'clock and we'd play until two or three o'clock in the morning and just do a uh, death match all night long and, and had a blast, like a bunch of random people that we all just like happened to team up together one night and liked playing together. And so we all hooked up and just kept doing it for uh man, it was probably for close to a year, year and a half that we, we played every Friday and Saturday night. Uh, and it was a lot of fun, but since then, uh, I've moved into Destiny more for my online playing and stuff like that. Just because it, when the original Destiny came out, I got I really loved it, and so I've played a lot of Destiny too. Uh, I've definitely slacked off, but that's been the one that I've probably spent the most time on of late. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're Bungie, so it makes sense that if you if you like Halo two, you're probably gonna like Destiny. You know? <laughs> That's kind of yeah. kind of the trajectory there. I mean, I mean well, and, Destiny, and, and like Destiny, especially Destiny Two. You know, they're they're launching new content even now. So, yeah, they have stretched that out a lot further than I expected them to. Like, uh, like I felt like I really got my money's worth out of Destiny One with the content and stuff as they kind of kept the the game going. And then here with Two, they, uh, I actually got out of it for a while because it just kind of felt stagnant and I wasn't interested in some of the new stuff that was coming out for it. 
but here, here over the last six, four to six months or so, I've I've started to get back into it, and and they've got new content and stuff coming out that uh, kind of pushes the storyline further a little bit more and expands that the universe that they're creating with all of it and and adds to it. So it has been pretty interesting. Yeah, I get into it every now and then, but uh, then like I, I can't fully enjoy it because you know I just don't have like a group of fire, like a, a set fire team that we can kind of hop on. Yeah, I have that problem too. I wish I had, I wish I had something like my my Halo group from you know many years ago that I just had like a fire team that I could get with because it it does make it tough. Every once in a while, I'll be able to find a couple people to do something with, but when you don't have like when you don't have good chemistry on on some of those big maps and stuff, it, it makes it tough to to coordinate and to actually know like what the other guy is going to do and how you how you kind of mesh together. All right, so uh, let's see. <clears throat> you had mentioned Call of Duty, and everybody is familiar with Call of Duty. It's probably one of the most recognizable game franchises out there uh, probably up there with uh, halo and some of those and you know mario stuff like that so what got you into call of duty originally so like because for me it was when modern warfare hit and and i went back and i looked at the the previous call of duties that had come out before uh call of duty for modern warfare uh and modern warfare like kind of seemed to have changed the game in uh so to speak in terms of like where they went with call of the call of duty series from that point on uh so what kind of got you started with call of duty so call of duty uh the way that i got into it was uh whenever world of war had come out uh i you know around that time there was this uh sleepover party that uh one of my uh, friends had you know it was, it was like a, i think it was like his birthday party so we went over to his house and it, he uh he was playing world at war and he showed me the he's like dude you gotta check this out like bro this there's this cool zombies mode uh and, and we you know we gotta play it here you know here here grab a controller and we started playing the zombies mode and i was hooked on that because it was like oh i'm gonna spin the box i'm gonna get me uh, a ray gun and then i was like oh man this is so fun because I, I had, like I said, I hadn't really had a shooter game experience before then. So being, you know, jumping into that and being able to, oh, here's, you know, I'm, I'm shooting at these zombies. And then we played a little bit of local multiplayer kind of thing, you know, like, uh, you know, 1v1 each other and stuff like that. And, and that kind of sort of uh, back and forth kind of thing was just fun to me, the competition and, and the co cooperation, you know, in, in both aspects of it was just really fun to, to kind of dive in there. And ever since then, I've, I've basically bought, uh, you know, the title every year except for uh, this, you know, basically this past year. So. I have gotten a lot of enjoyment out of Black Ops uh, more than anything. The Black Ops, Black Ops Three, my son and I played through the entire campaign, and and he would do a lot of uh, my stepson and he and my son would play like zombies and all kinds of stuff and. Uh, so we got we got a lot of that. I we have been looking at, and I guess really we just haven't started playing Black Ops Four for no more reason than we just haven't started. Uh, and we're actually 
he's he mentioned that about uh borderlands 3 we've we've got borderlands 3 like it's sitting in the case right there next to the playstation 4 and he was like you know we got this and we were really excited about playing it and we created you know we we started it up we played like the first mission and we haven't gone back to it he's like maybe we should pick back up on this it's like yeah i know it's like yeah, that's, that, that's kind of what happened to me with Borderlands 2. Like, I got through a couple of missions, and all of a sudden, I was, uh, I was I was stuck at a certain point, and then I just kind of like, well, I don't have anybody co-op with, and I'm just playing solo, so I'm, I'm kind of done. So, I just, I it's sitting on the shelf. Same, I had the exact same thing happen with Borderlands 2. <laughs> like, I played yeah. it a little bit, but then I just kind of put it down and uh, haven't touched it in maybe over a year now i think i don't know yeah uh, that was how i was with borderlands 2 as well um at, at the time uh when that came out i was still with my first wife and she and i would game together some and so like if she wanted to play then we would play but if it was just me playing by myself i just couldn't get into it and it's so, like i'd i'd end up playing something at like literally anything else because i just couldn't i couldn't sit down and focus on it if i was doing it by myself like that's uh that's one of those that for whatever reason i feel like it's better if you have somebody to play with uh, uh, what are some other games that are like that 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 uh you can you can play it solo but it's really more rewarding to to go with a friend Probably zombies, honestly, in Call of Duty. Oh well, I mean, I I like to play solo zombies too, because uh, well, especially for the uh, the aspect of uh, when they added camos to to it, it, it was fun to be able to grind for the camos solo and do some of those challenges. Uh, that that was a fun aspect of it, um, particularly in like Cold War, the solo felt fun. But some a lot of times, yeah, it's it's better to do co op. Uh, personally, for me. I like um, like the the problem, the the games that give me trouble playing solo are something like uh, like Borderlands or uh, you know Destiny or you know anything that was clearly designed to be co-op. So a a fun one to do as a co-op was Halo Two. Uh, or no 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 no, it was Halo Three uh, because one of you would be master chief and the other one would be the arbiter. So like if you played, if you played together with, with somebody else on the same console, one of you was, was master chief and the other one was the arbiter. So you, so you got to have both characters like all the time. So that it added an interesting twist to the, to the co-op dynamic of, of that game. Uh, Like I I really liked that because it was like I said, you know, you're used to, uh, with all of the other, like you had either two master chiefs or, uh, shoot. What was the, the, uh, resistance games that came out on uh, PlayStation. Like if you did it as a co-op, one of you would be the main character. And then the, the other one was just like generic army guy. <laughs> it was like, at least with, with halo three, you had the very clear distinction that, you had Master Chief and you had the Arbiter, and and like, it kind of uh, it made it a, a special 
experience, I guess, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's yeah, what you... interesting when you've got a video game that when you have co-op, it doesn't have you with the same skill sets or stats. Like it actually has you playing as different things. So that way you have to really coordinate based off of your character's strengths and abilities. Yeah, go ahead, Trey. You were going to say something. Yeah, and then like, uh, so what? Have you tried Halo Infinite yet? No. Uh, so we were looking at that uh, when we were because it's part of the the Game Pass. Uh, so we were looking at that the other day, and he 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 basically said, "Just download it. Just download it. Like, just chill out. Like, we're gonna we're going to download a bunch of stuff and play a bunch of stuff. Like, let's we're gonna think about it a little bit." Yeah, so I mean, like the the one big thing that I you know you, you mentioned playing co op campaign it, that would be a negative, and the the part of one of the things that people were complaining about with Halo Infinite is that it didn't have co op at launch for the campaign, and they're pro they're still saying that it's going to be delayed until se uh, season two. So that uh, that might dissuade me a little bit of starting it in that case because that's one of those games that. If I'm going to pick it up and start playing it at this point, I'm probably going to pick it up and start playing it. I would want to start pick it up and start playing it with him. I mean, I guess I could just play it when he's not here and he could be none the wiser. But <laughs> like there are, there are a few things that uh, that we kind of do cooperatively anyway, uh, as like our father son activities, I guess, uh, you know, certain games we watch, certain movies or shows or uh, or stuff that we that we'll watch together like that's so like halo and video gaming stuff generally speaking tend to be the things that we we would do together and and i catch all level of hell if i'm not not wanting to to do those things whenever he's wanting to do them yeah, so there's even not only like that, but you know, there's been all these issues with the Halo Infinite development, you know, taking so long. They've had all kinds of issues with that, uh, and they're not delivering on the promises that that a lot of the stuff that they made before the games launch. But uh, you know, if they're, I don't, I don't even know if anybody's going to be around to keep playing it if they, if they're if they're not going to deliver on the promises. So that makes me think of there was a. Could you stop? That makes me think of there was another game that uh, I don't know why it came into my head, but remember Anthem that came out a few years ago and like it was, it had the most awesome trailers you had ever seen for a video game. Like watching those trailers, I was getting hyped. I'm like, yes, this is going to be amazing. And then it came out, and it wasn't like it wasn't necessarily terrible. But it was kind of buggy, and which you would expect from a new game, uh, something that's on a, a different scale than what Bioware had done with previous games. And it was uh, it was impressive to look at, and it did play well. But it just it became really repetitive really quickly. The story didn't have a lot of depth or. Uh, it wasn't great storytelling like what you got from a lot of previous Bioware games, like uh, like Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age and some of that stuff. And uh, so it's just kind of a letdown. And then like there was the promise of all of this other stuff to come. 
and then it never came. And I guess last year they finally just said we're not we're not even going to continue to to try to to fix any of it. We're just going to leave it out there exactly as it is today, and you can keep playing it or not. And so, yeah, it's uh, there are plenty of examples of that. That uh, whatever happened with Fallout Fallout seventy six? Did they ever actually fix that? Like I I. Uh, I'm a big Fallout fan too, and I looked at that all of long enough to say no, and I never went back. Like, did it? Did they ever fix that? I have Fallout seventy six, and I would say they definitely have done a lot of things to fix a lot of issues that it had. Mainly, like once they actually started adding in NPCs to the game, so that way it wasn't just like you and a bunch of other other players adding like the actual cohesive storyline. Like I haven't played it a whole lot, but enough to know that it's definitely gotten better than what it was at launch. Well, I may have to go back and revisit that one. That's another one that uh, like, kind of like we were talking about uh, Borderlands two and three and stuff like that. I'm like, I really got into fallout new Vegas and played it all the way through uh, the same with fallout three when it came out. Like I was really into fallout three and, and played it all the way through. And then I got Fallout 4, and I played it for a few days, and I couldn't tell you the last time I, I fired it up. I, it's uh, it's just kind of... It was fun. It wasn't any less fun than any of the other Fallout games, but it just lost my interest. I yeah, I mean... I, kind of- Oh, you go, first. you go first. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of just got, you know, stopped after a few hours of playing Fallout 4. I basically, you know, got to the Diamond City and then uh, couldn't figure out, got stuck on a mission trying to figure out who, do, which NPC do I need to talk to and what do I need to get for them? And then I was just like, okay, well, I, I, this is where I get stuck, then, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. I've actually played a lot of Fallout 4, beaten the story on, like, done. I haven't done all of the endings, just one of them. There's, like, four main endings to the game. And I've put, <coughs> sorry, put in, like, probably 300 hours into it, I think, is what it, <laughs> it was when I last played. And it was actually, like, New Vegas and 3 that I kind of, like, I think I made it to the galaxy news radio station in three and the strip in new Vegas. And then I just kind of stopped. I can see that. Trying to think. Like I, I I can't, I can't remember how far I have actually made it on four. Um, I liked the power armor and, and some of the things that you could do with that. Like it, I did like that four gives you sort of a, a new dynamic and things that you can do that you didn't have really with the, like with fallout three and with new Vegas, but maybe that's, maybe that's part of what kind of, uh, got me to kind of turn it off a little bit was like, once you acquire the power armor, then you, you kind of, there were still tough battles, but you've kind of gone to a different level and, uh, like, a lot of the sneaking and being strategic and the way, the way I played uh, three and, and new Vegas, it wasn't really the way I was playing for. And maybe it just didn't feel the, 
didn't feel the same. I guess I'm uh, getting old and nostalgic and uh, averse to change or something. I will say that it did feel kind of stupid, like retro in retrospect, like how quickly it gives you power armor in Fallout Four because you get it within like the first thirty minutes of exiting the vault and. Yeah, it's like a weak suit and it's partially damaged, but they give it to you so you can fight a death claw, which is supposed to be like a mid to late game enemy. And again, they're throwing it at you at the very beginning. And I don't know, I guess like some players would probably think, well, they're just making it easy and they're kind of like making it cheap. And I don't know, personally, I'm not a huge fan of power armor. There's only one area in the game where I actually use the power armor. So, like, maybe that kind of helped me think it's not so cheap. Maybe I need to uh, revisit the way I play. All right. So, what do we... um, Gosh, I had a couple questions I was going to ask about some other stuff. What? Okay. So, I mentioned Anthem. And, you know, Anthem had all the buildup and the hype around it. And then it just, like, completely fell flat. What are some other games that you've like during your gaming experience felt excited about and then once it came out either it wasn't what you thought it was going to be or it was exactly what you thought it was going to be and it just wasn't as good as what you had hoped well for me um probably battlefield 2042 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I, I don't know if you've been following that that whole debacle, but like, I, I really thought that Battlefield 2042 was going to be like a Battlefield 4 two, version 2.0, uh, and, and really it came out so buggy. The UI is like terrible, um, and it, it was it was a huge flop. But but I really I really do hope that they kind of revamp it and, and fix fix a lot of the issues. But it's it's probably going to be too little, too late. So it's it's kind of a, a wash on that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I can say there's a game where like it was a new release where I felt that way. But um, I guess in terms of like maybe some older games that I decided to check out, like after being familiar with their more recent entries in the franchise, I, I might upset you a little bit, Justin. But I I did not like. Rainbow Six Vegas. Mainly because of the controls. I hated the controls. I played it for maybe 10 minutes and then I refunded it. <laughs> the original or, or number two? Well, I it was just the original, but I bought both of them and I assumed it would probably just play the same, so I returned both of them. No, you should have you should have you should have ditched one and, and stuck with two. Yeah, I've heard two, two is definitely the better of them. Two is infinitely better. Uh, yeah, it, it like it's it's. I guess as a fan of those games, one was not a bad game, but in comparison to two, it was definitely not a good game. <laughs> mm, okay, that that makes sense. I, I guess another game that I could probably think of that might fit under this somewhat like not fully would maybe be Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like I think it's a good game, but it's not a good Assassin's Creed game. Enemies are ridiculously like damage spongy, which 
is just not a thing that's ever really been in that series. And it just, the story felt really detached. Like if you took out all the references to the Assassin's Creed franchise in it and like renamed characters to get rid of that, then it would really probably feel like a great game, like a good standalone. Just take off Assassin's Creed, just call it Odyssey or something like that. Yeah, that, that's the sole reason that I didn't pick up that game, but because I, you know, I played uh, like uh, two and three Assassin's Creed and, and Unity, and I, I, I even thought Unity for for all the bugs, it wasn't that bad. But uh, you know, Odyssey, I just I wasn't it, it didn't it didn't look like a, an Assassin's Creed game at all. Even Valhalla, which they recently released, doesn't look like an Assassin's Creed game at all. So I, I haven't picked up either of those. So that that was a uh, a good transition into another topic that I want to talk about because I wanted to talk about some of these games like Assassin's Creed specifically that just seem to go on forever. Like you get a new installation every single year. And what are some that like for me uh, after Assassin's Creed three, I played a little bit of four and then um, shoot. There was one other one that I played a little bit of, but like after three, I really just kind of checked out on Assassin's Creed. Like it, it just got to where it was to some extent or another. It was just the same thing repackaged over and over again. And, and um, like, I feel like a game like that needs to have an end game type of plan. Like, like you're telling the, especially with the way they set up one and two, where you're telling the story of, you know, the the Templars and and the assassins and all of this history and and the animus and like you're expecting there to be a payoff and there to actually be an end. Like like nobody goes and watches a movie series that you just keep watching movie after movie after movie and there's never actually a payoff. Like it, you've got to take the story to its conclusion at some point and. And after, like, after Assassin's Creed 3, I just didn't feel like it was ever going to get there. And I guess to some extent or another, I've, I've been proven right on that. Like, like you've, got, you've got to find a way to, to close it out and tell the story. Uh, and I, so, like, how, how have y'all felt about the, the Assassin's Creed series as a whole as it's gone on for, golly, when did the first one come out? It was... Uh, I think it was 2008. Yeah, as I say, it was mid to late 2000s, so... Yeah, like, I own most every Assassin's Creed game, except for the very first one and the most recent one, Valhalla. And I, I've i played all of them to varying degrees, and I really feel like, in a way, the fact that they constantly evolve the gameplay, like, when you play, like, one through Revelations it largely uses the same system of combat, for example, in climbing. And then once they came out with three, they revamped it considerably. They kind of streamlined it and made it more fluid and they kind of just kept upgrading it. And then, you know, you see that sort of happen for a while and then you get to like syndicate where it kind of syndicates kind of weird for me, like in a way I like it, but in another way I can never really get too far in it before I'm ready to be like, I'm going to go back to three. <laughs> Or something like that. <laughs> and then with the change to RPG aspects, it started with Origins and then they really hammered down on it with Odyssey and Valhalla. It like it in a way it kind of refreshes it gameplay-wise. 
But then, then in another way, it kind of loses its identity over time, the more they change it. And then when going back to the story, like you mentioned, honestly, I could not care less about the modern day story after like Black Flag and Rogue. Starting with Unity onward, I don't care about the modern day story at all. Because it just feels like there's nothing really happening in terms of progress. Yeah, yeah. for me, the peak was, you know, either... For me, the peak was three, and then Black Flag, I, 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 did, I liked it okay, but the ship mechanics were not really my thing. I know a lot of people rave about those ship mechanics. I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in the, the assassin part. So getting up on the ships and being able to assassinate people, that was cool. But doing the ship, you know, actually sailing the ship, I wasn't the biggest fan of, uh, but that that's my personal thing. But the, as far as the story, I think I think it peaked at three, personally. The, yeah, my son the, thought sailing the ship was just really awesome, and I thought, this is the dumbest shit I've ever done. Why, why are we doing this in an Assassin's Creed game? Like, can we just go back to sneaking up on people and stabbing them in the back? Why, why, do, I need, why do I need to sail a ship? Yeah, I'll say like I'm I, I liked the sailing overall mostly, but then there were some times in the game where I really didn't like it, like certain missions that were like you know how of course it's been a staple since I think two where you have to tail somebody and not be spotted. And they do that in Black Flag, and I'm not sure about Rogue, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they definitely do it in Black Flag, where you have to tail people via your ship and it's a lot less clear when they can see when you think you're in the clear and when you're actually in the clear like if they see you or not and it's it's not very fun in terms of trying to do stealth while you're in a huge ship <laughs> it's not very easy those are kind of uh <laughs> counter counterintuitive stealth in a massive ship with huge sails and <laughs> cuz it's not like you can just throw the brakes on and back it up and get out of their way and then sneak back up on them or you know accelerate to catch up to them if they're if they're getting away from you well, I mean, it's even like the 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 whole idea is that they they should be looking around their ship the entire time you know because there's there's the, the threat of pirates anyway. So they should be they should be watching all angles of their ship. So they shouldn't be able to be snuck up on at any way. Right. So, the guy I, in the crow's nest just happens to be looking in the opposite direction. So now you're gonna sail up on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you caught him napping. Like you, you you just catch him napping. That's that's what <laughs> I could forgive it if they had a feature where you could actually take the flags of the three nations that you know are in the sea spain uh i think it's spain uh france and england if you could take a flag for each of them and then choose to raise it depending on where you are in the sea that way you could like be sneakier i would like that a lot yeah, but they don't have that here. so you constantly had that black flag with the crossbones on it and honestly they should just immediately see that and assume you're a hostile and start firing but they don't unless you do it first or you have a bounty uh, so mark claire and Remzo martinez do a show called second print pod 
um, where they talk about comic books and stuff. And one of the common things is uh, because comics, like sometimes things happen in a in a comic series that there is no logical good explanation for it other than because comics. And so like the flag thing, that's one of those like because video game things. It's like, okay, like in in no universe would this ever work. But because it's a video game, like the mechanics of it, it, it works. Uh, what are some what are some other examples of that where it's just like comically silly how like, that's not the way it would work. But here we are because video games, that's what we do. I think one example I can think of where like realistically in the real world, it wouldn't work, but because of video game logic or comic logic, it could actually apply to both of these in the example I'm about to use would be a lot of the things in Batman Arkham, for example, because Batman. You cut out, John. Oh, did we lose him? Hopefully we didn't lose him. Well, maybe he'll come back. If not, I think I can fill that. I think I can fill that in. It's like it, like he was talking about Batman Arkham, and that's actually the one that I was going to use as the example. Like you've got all the guard, you'll have the guards with the guns, and so like you can go up in the rafters and hide, and then you drop down, you beat the shit out of one of them. And they all are aware of you and they come looking for you. And then you go back up in the rafters and then they all just like chill out. <laughs> and so then you go and pick off another one. Like <laughs> in, in what universe to do all of these guys see this like trampled body that you just drop down, beat the hell out of. And then they even saw you and then you disappeared. And now suddenly they're just like all cool and walking around again like nothing happened. Yeah, that's that's where like uh, I think that the new Spider-Man games get it do it right is, is where if they if they see you on site like you know they know that you're an enemy like they recognize or you know they're not just not aware at all. Uh, so if if you if you're even in the vicinity making noise, you, you can alert them. So that's one of the you know better one ones versions of that combat. But the the games that that I would say like some of them like it's hard to suspend like disbelief. Um, I, I haven't really played them that much. I, I know like Far Cry, uh, especially like uh, stuff like uh, Far Cry Five, where uh, you know people, uh, or even the most recent one, people people were, I was watching people stream it, and uh, you could just walk up behind the enemies and they they wouldn't know anything. That, unless you explicitly alert them and shoot, shoot them or whatever. It's, it's kind of uh, th those are some of the games where just not being able to sneak up on enemies and not have them know anything about what, what you're doing. It's, it's really breaks the immersion. And those are humorous. Like, and a lot of times those are like, those situations are in good games or like games that aren't bad games, but it's just this, uh, like the Ark, the entire Arkham series, like uh, all of those games, they were phenomenal games. Uh, but some of the the AI controls for for the NPCs is like, could could we maybe be a, just a little bit more intuitive? Like I, I'm I'm almost positive that the programming is there. And and to your to your point, like they are 
you are seeing that a little bit more on some games now. Like you're getting a little bit less of that because because video games uh, situations where it's just like something that's that's comically uh, silly or out of place. They they they're uh, they're definitely starting to clean that up a lot. And and who knows? Maybe it's because there are people our age in the industry. They're like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why did they ever do that to begin with? And and so they're starting to fix it. Yeah, I definitely think it has its places. Like some of the stuff that's sort of comically like crazy. So something like Master Chief. You know, he, he's a human humanoid figure. I mean, yeah, he's he's got obviously he's been you know drugged up or whatever, and, and he massive dude now, but uh, he still you know has the body of a human in just a shell of armor. So like some of the stuff that he does, whenever in the Halo universe. Like in, in the even in Halo Infinite, where sometimes he just you know comes crashing through something, and uh, you know it, it looks like well he might be dead, and, but no, really he just you know busts out of there and he's fine or something like that. And it's it's like okay, yeah, that's that's video game logic, and it 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 doesn't quite make sense, but it's video game logic kind of thing. You know? It's you because it's the Master it. Chief. Like that's it. That's all you need to know is is because it's the Master Chief. That's why he did that. That's why he can be the human torpedo that comes launching from outer space through orbit and just take out an entire spaceship or something. Like, it's the Master Chief. That's what he does. And you're not supposed to question that. You're just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, fuck it. All right. Who are the most, uh, I don't know how old either of y'all are. I'm, I'm pushing 40, so I've been around for a little while. Who would you, or what would you consider to be like the top three or four like most iconic gaming figures, uh, both like for you personally, but that you would say like uh, industry wide or like game across gaming, like the ones that are uh, recognizable and also like stand for something that like people see that image and they're like, yeah, I know what that is. John, you can go first. Well, I'm kind of thinking about it, so you can you can go. <laughs> well, so so for me, obviously, uh, I think that Master Chief has to be one of one of the most iconic. Um, let's see, then obviously something like Mario is, is a huge icon for for a lot of people. Uh, my my son, uh, you know, he's three. He, he already instantly knows Mario and and Luigi. He, he's already into all that. Uh, and, and so it, it's it's a you know really iconic for for a lot of kids, and then I would say um, probably for three and four that that becomes a little bit more difficult because uh, let's see you could say you could say something like um, Donkey Kong, but that that's kind of you know a waning franchise. They're not really adding a lot of new games, uh, and, and I, I don't know what I would round out like a fourth one with, because because there's a lot of a lot of different icons, and, and I don't know if, if all of them would be at the industry level at this point, because a lot of them a lot of them have faded into obscurity. So I kind of after those first two, probably Mario and and uh, Master Chief, you know Master Chief, those are the two main ones that I would say. But after that, I, I would have to really give it some thought 
Yeah, and I would agree with those two for sure. Um, I do think either I almost said I, I almost said the white hood, but like the um, the and not that kind of white hood, although that is a very recognizable, uh, but like the Assassin's Creed uh, hood or or the like the A. I think those are at least more recognizable than maybe a lot of other things um because like there there's so many things that if you think about it like if you were to um oh gosh so like like i'm a huge mass uh or i'm a huge mass effect fan um i actually have an entire wall over here that's just dedicated to mass effect artwork and uh like if i saw the n7 logo immediately that means something to me but even a lot of gamers probably don't know recognize or care about that like there's there's something like gaming is so uh kind of weird in in that way i think the uh yeah i think i think you get such a huge variety i mean there's so many different games that come out even this year uh and it, it, it makes it difficult for for you to kind of pinpoint um you know exactly you know where the industry is going what all people like nowadays i mean if you were to come out with a new mass effect game nowadays i mean especially after what happened with andromeda how many people how many people are gonna sign up for that maybe mass effect fans but i don't know it, it wouldn't draw me in personally because i've never really been into mass effect uh so that that would be kind of where you get the mix of how how people perceive it even something like um that that recently came out i've been playing a lot of elden ring uh and that's one of the from software games they they, they make the the dark souls games uh, so i've been playing some of that and what you know watching the reactions to it and it you know it's a it, it's a it's become like a phenomenon with with that game but it's not necessarily guaranteed to happen for all all games like Especially something so niche like the Eld Elden Ring is, because it's kind of a certain kind of experience for, that people are going to have with the game. So I think another thing that it's not uh, necessarily a character, but it would be something that's like identifying, kind of like like I was saying, like with the Assassin's Creed, the A, um, like the pixelated block or a pixelated like pickaxe. Like I think. I think pretty much anybody who saw that would identify that with Minecraft like, because for whatever you may think of Minecraft as a game and, and uh, I have absolutely no use for it. Uh, my kids want me to play with them all the time. They, they build all these houses and create these worlds and they do all this cool stuff. And I just don't, Apparently there is a there is a story mode <laughs> and there is a point, but I just haven't been able to figure out what it is, and so like I don't have a whole lot of interest in it. But for so for whatever you think of the game, like it is a worldwide phenomenon that that really goes from like the very very youngest age group up to you know every gamer to some extent or another. Like I think everybody would see that pixelated thing. And, and immediately identify that with Minecraft, like no matter who you are, uh, gaming wise. Yeah, I could agree with that. 
Yeah, I think whenever it comes to like the whole branding thing, going back to the top three or so thing you you asked, I would say you could probably just lump all of Nintendo together because Nintendo's like really good at kind of making all of their major IPs recognizable. Because even though, like you said, Trey, like Donkey Kong's a dying franchise, you see the tie with the DK on it. You know what it is. And so, like, I think you could kind of lump Nintendo together. Maybe you could say Super Smash Bros. Because that's, you know, they're putting all the franchises together game. (laughs) And, like, maybe use that as, like, one. And then, you know, Minecraft would be another good one. Just because, you know, like you said, Justin, everybody knows what it is, basically. If they have any idea what a video game is. And then after that, it's kind of like, I feel like it then sort of depends on the appeal to certain groups, certain niches, like maybe some, like, I don't know. I don't think it'd be very common outside the fans of it. For example, for somebody to see like the red exclamation point and be like, Oh, that's metal gear, for example, (laughs) or something like that. It's like kind of guaranteed to sort of have a degree of lack, sort of lack of, you know, pop culture, because video games are kind of not given the same level of uh, reach as movies or TV or anything like that. Well, you, you say that, but I think they're they're actually gaining more of an influence than movies or TV. I mean, even some of the streaming services were saying that they were having to compete with gaming now, which is why, like, Xbox and their Game Pass are so such a huge deal. Because now you, you can play a, a huge variety of games just by paying a subscription fee. And that's that that can eat into the streaming services market for like TV shows and stuff like that. Because if I can always serve up a new game at, at any point, uh, then yeah, they're, they're going to have a huge competition with that kind of thing. And, and there is a lot of validity to that because either I'm... <laughs> Either I'm watching Netflix or Hulu or, or whatever, or I'm playing a game. It's like, you know, they, the two are completely interchangeable, uh, especially because, you know, for a lot of people, like uh, with the TV that's here in my office, it's everything runs through the PlayStation 4. So I, I literally just have the option of closing one app and opening the next and moving from watching a show to playing a game. So I wanted to uh, kind of use that as a transition into like the last topic that we'll sort of close with because uh, we're kind of coming up on it. I don't want to I don't want to tie you all up all night. Um, speaking of movies and video games and and the cultural relevance of uh, movies and TV shows <clears throat> and the cultural relevance of video games with those, what are some movies or TV shows that have been adapted out of video games that you thought were well done? What are some that were really, I, I, I don't guess we need to talk about the ones that were piss poorly done. Cause those way outnumber the ones that are well done. Um, and what are some that are uh, rumored or might be coming out that you're kind of excited about or, or ones that are confirmed to be coming out that you might be excited about. So for, for me, uh, I actually liked Forward Under Dawn. I know a lot of people gave it flack, uh, the, the Halo Forward Under Dawn. I actually really did like it. I don't really like the you know Spartan Lock or, or whatever, but Forward Under Dawn actually se- seemed like a decent 
uh, pace series, everything. I mean, it was low budget, you could tell, but it, it definitely looked it had had the look and feel of, of something Halo. Uh, so so I, I really like really like that. Um, I, I watched the the Sonic movie with my son. He he and I both loved it. I, I wasn't really into Sonic fight for like the franchise period, but uh, you know, like the gaming, I didn't play many of the games that much. Uh, but watching that movie was was a great adaptation, in my opinion. Um, especially you know after they fixed uh, the, you know the character, how 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 it looked, it, it was really good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the Halo series, although I, ha- I have my reservations uh, because I, I've heard a lot of you know really odd claims that that, that they're going to have about you know Master Chief taking his helmet off and all this kind of stuff. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the new Halo series. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat with uh, with the new Halo series. Like I I am very excited about it, but at the same time I'm not super uh like I'm, I'm trying not to get overly hyped up about it because i i do acknowledge that there's a really good chance that it's just gonna like completely break my heart when it comes out and i agree with the forward unto dawn like i thought it was a really good movie even though like like you said it was low budget and for whatever like it felt like it established a certain piece of time in the halo universe like it was a good story it fit with especially for somebody who you know plays through all the games and and kind of gets into the the lore and stuff like that like it felt like a really good halo movie it and i didn't like i didn't need anything else from it i i I never really understood the criticisms of it uh go john what you got i mean myself personally i've never really gotten into any shows or movies based off of games just because of the horrible reputation those sorts of adaptations tend to get (laughs) but i mean i've definitely heard that witcher was good i've definitely heard that sonic was good (laughs) i'm definitely kind of interested in the mario movie i mean what was it like chris pratt is mario or something like that (laughs) just that's kind of weird (laughs) and kind of makes me want to see it yeah, apparently he's uh, Chris Pratt is going to do Mario, and he's also going to be uh, voicing Garfield in a new Garfield movie. <laughs> oh God, they're doing another Garfield movie. That's that's scary. So on the The Witcher, uh, I watched that with my wife. I, I guess I need to play. That's The Witcher is one of those games that I never, I never got into. Um, it looks interesting. It like there, are, there are a lot of games that. I think I would probably like, and people tell me that I would probably like, but at the end of the day, there are only so many hours and I don't put that many of them into video gaming, uh, really at any point <laughs> throughout my entire gaming, gaming career, I, I haven't put that many into them. And so, so there are a lot of games like the Witcher that I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. I would probably really enjoy that. I also absolutely will not play it because I just, don't want to put the time into another thing but the the show itself is excellent like from a having never played the game perspective the show is really good so uh and i i try to look at i try to look at video game based movies and tv shows just as the medium that it is like i try not to put it side by side to the video game 
because that's always going to disappoint you, especially if it's a game that you like have an, an emotional investment in and you, that you've put a lot of hours into playing. Uh, it's always going to disappoint. No, no matter how well they do it, like there's going to be something that they did wrong. Um, so, so like I always try to look at the medium as this is what it is and is it good? And like for The Witcher, yes, it is absolutely a good TV series. Is it good based on the game? I don't know. But as a TV series, it is really good. So like, I highly recommend it. I'm trying to think if there are any others that are like stand out as good. Um, yeah, like what you're talking about, like, you know, so, some of the, ex, you know, setting some of the expectations. That's kind of like where, you know, there, there's been a rumored uh, you know, Call of Duty TV series or something like that coming. And, and I don't know if they're ever going to actually pull the trigger on that. But it, but if they were to, and with some of the characters and, and you know, the, the lore, I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of lore to the, to the Call of Duty universe as much as there are some other series. But, like, if they got uh, Captain Price wrong, like, if they got his character wrong, or if they got, uh, you know, Sergeant Frank Woods and, and got him in there and got his character completely wrong, then it, it would be something that I would notice. You know, even if it's something that you can't really divest from, from the idea of how the characters are in the game versus how maybe they are portrayed in the media. Well, that's like some of the criticism that's already come out of the, the new Halo series that hasn't even started yet is that they didn't get the original voice actor for master chief to do the voicing for the character it's like uh like the guy who's playing master chief uh pablo schreiber is a very good actor like i have absolutely no doubt in my mind and not only is he a very good actor he's also like a huge individual and like so uh, my son and i've been watching reacher on uh amazon prime and like uh, some of the complaint about Reacher, uh, about Jack Reacher in the Tom Cruise uh, renditions of that in the the two Jack Reacher movies that had come out, is that in the in the books and stuff, Jack Reacher is very clearly described as like a 6'5", 250 pound, just like hulking beast of a human being, and obviously that's not Tom Cruise. Uh, the guy who plays it now is uh, Alan Richson, is very much the embodiment of that. So like on the, on, on that note, uh, like Pablo Schreiber is like six, five and he's a big dude. So, you know, Matt, and one of the, the key things about master chief is that he is this like colossal human being. So you've got a care, you've got an actor who's both a really good actor. And he's also a gigantic human being that can portray that. Like I'm, I'm not as concerned about that as what a lot of people seem to be like, Will the voice sound a little different? Maybe, but you know, there's a lot of cool things you can do with audio to make somebody's voice match a little bit better than what you think just because they don't have the original voice actor doing it. Plus the voice actor, the guy's like in his 70s. I mean, I, I get why they may not want to peg him to do this long term. Yeah, I mean, like it, it made sense that that they couldn't get him specifically to do it because, I mean, even he said, I'm, I'm going to have to you know, hang up the, the, the boots as Master Chief at some point. Like, I'm going to have to, like, stop being that character. But the, 
you know, as far as, you know, the adaptation, is it going to work? Is it not? I, I didn't really see much wrong with the voice uh, in, in the trailer. I'm sure you've already watched the trailer. I didn't really think it was too bad. I, I think it, I think it did come across as somebody who was trying to sound like sort of, sort of like uh, the original Master Chief voice and wasn't really quite getting it. Uh, and that's kind of the vibe that I got whenever uh, they, they replaced Sergeant Frank Woods in the, you know, the, the recent Black Ops game that they did, Black Ops Cold War. They replaced Sergeant Frank Woods, even though the voice actor said he would do it and he said he, he, was, he was down for that. They, were, they just replaced him because they were trying to, you know, get younger voice actors. I think they're, they're wanting to build an, a whole universe with some kind of shared Call of Duty universe. So they're trying to get the same voice actors that can do it for a long period of time. Uh, I, I, that's just my theory. But they outed him, and it, it sounded like somebody trying to fake like being him. And it's not necessarily bad. It's just you notice it. And I think that's what, what people are, are more picking up on. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other... like. That's one of those things that throughout any media where whether it be you know, voice actors on a video game or, or actual actors on like a tv show or a movie or something like if you're coming in to fill that spot you can't fake it into being that person like you almost have to you almost have to make it your thing uh like you you can't fake that voice and get it close enough that people aren't gonna recognize like very, very rarely. I'm trying to think. There was one. Uh, shoot, there was one that uh, I'd seen not not too terribly long ago. That it was they had changed the voice actor, and you couldn't tell. Like the the guy who did the who replaced the other one uh, was almost like dead nuts, spot on the character. But I now I'm drawing a blank. I was <laughs> funny. Oddly enough, me and my son were just talking about this over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I spend too much time talking to a thirteen-year-old. I need to. I need to make adult friends. Uh, that's that's why we're talking about video games here tonight. Um, y'all got anything else you want to talk about? Anything that uh, was on your mind, or a, a topic, or anything that you wanted to to hit on before we uh, kind of wrap it up? I'm going to take that as a hell. Go. I mean, if, uh, if, if John didn't have anything, I mean, I, I've just been having a blast, uh, you know, playing El Elden Ring. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's refreshing to have this kind of game come out where the devs make the game that they want. And they don't make the game that like, um, it, it's become a trend, you know, and I know you've seen it that the, the more and more that they want to basically make a game for, the investors and not really for the gamers and it's something like hey okay we can maximize profits kind of like what john was saying with like the the assassin's creed odyssey like to because the enemies are so bulky because of all this stuff you would have to like you could buy items to then uh in the in-game shop to then make it you make your grind a little bit easier uh you know you didn't have to buy them but you could and it would make it easier and those are kind of the experiences that they're going for. But for like me, Elden Ring, it's like a, you know, $60 game or $70 if you want to get the, the, the you know, like upgraded graphics. And it's just been fun to be able to sit down and play a complete game 
that is that doesn't have day one glitches, doesn't have all this stuff, uh, the issues that they've had with games like that in the in the past. Uh, it, it's just, the devs made a good game and they were confident in it. They told everybody, "Hey, this is how the game is," and and everybody's enjoying it. It seems. And, it, and that's just rare in the industry. So. Well, kind of uh, something that John had, had touched on earlier, too, was like Battlefront 2. I think when Battlefront 2 came out, there was so much stuff that like, almost from day one, if you were going to be competitive, you had to just start spending crazy amounts of money on all of these upgrades and extra stuff that didn't come standard with the game. Like, And it, I feel like there has been a lot of pushback on that because it was... What was it? It was it was Battlefront Battlefront 2 and then there was one other game that came out around the same time that was very very similar. Like it had a whole bunch of stuff that you you almost from the time you started had to just start buying upgrades and stuff to to really be competitive. Um shit, now I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, well, no like, anthem. A lot of people railed on like the anthem having like uh, twenty or thirty dollar cosmetic items, like it. But but that wasn't necessarily like a grind that you had to had to pay for. Um, I, I can't think of. I, I think I know what you're what what you're talking about, but I can't remember which game it was that came out during that time frame. But I I know Battlefront Two was the the most that people were annoyed about. I know it was two of them that came out. Like it was Battlefront two and another one that almost came out like within literally within weeks of each other, and both of them were almost right out the gate, like pay pay to win. And and I I, I obviously the second one must have fallen into obscurity because I can't remember what I can't remember what it was for the life of me. Uh, but yeah, I think developers are starting to because there was a lot of backlash against that when it when it happened. I think they're starting to get away from that, and I do think with the uh, with the option for like streaming, almost a streaming gaming service type stuff, kind of like with the Game Pass. Um, I think developers are seeing an opportunity to start making the game that they want to make instead of making the game that the gaming companies want to sell. And I think that's good news for the industry as a whole. And that's definitely good news for the gamers. Whether it's good news for for the gaming industry, it's it's good news for the people who want to play a good game, like what you're talking about. Well, yeah, it might not be good for like the gaming industry, like TM, like you know, like the actual the corporations, you know, like like they they may not may be making hand over fist like they like they were, but the cream will rise to the top anyway they're gonna make the the good games will make money and, and that's that's what they need to trust themselves on but they they hadn't up until more recently and i think we're seeing that a lot across kind of across all uh all media all of the like the entertainment industry is there has been this trend over several years of making things that will sell and now over the last maybe three or four years uh a lot of creative types have started to move towards making things that are good and making things that they want to make and and then trusting that the product is going to sell itself because it's good not because it's marketable Uh, so Hopefully we get to see a little bit more of that 
as we move forward with the industry. So well, guys, I'm going to let you give your uh, – oh, what what you got, John? What you just said made me, made me think of something. Another issue, you know, when it comes to, like, making the game or trying to make it more marketable or whatever is when they unnecessarily – and I don't care which direction of the spectrum it comes from – but when they unnecessarily start ham-fisting in politics into a game. <laughs> like, I became a Far Cry fan earlier this year, or last year. Like, towards the end of last year, like, going into this year. And, like, I really, like, in particular, I really like Five, because it kind of takes the whole, you go up against a crazy cult sort of thing. It's not super, like... It's not political in a way that's actually like controversial, like <clears throat> in any way, shape, or form, because you know, crazy cult, you can't really spin that as a good thing. But then, you know, you get to um, the new one that came out, Far Cry 6, and like you, you just like get all sorts of stuff like, oh, generic, evil, authoritarian, and look at these communists like former sandinistas or whatever i don't know what they are <laughs> like they're like the good guys all of a sudden and and then like <clears throat> trying to throw in like all this political stuff that really isn't necessary and trying to spread a certain message of like oh these political views are good and these are bad it's like it's a game you're trying to escape from politics that's a that's an interesting point because like <clears throat> Like for me, um, with with being such a Mass Effect fan that I was, like there was a huge criticism of some of the early game or the the first game uh, that there wasn't like uh, homosexual relationship options in the game. Like if you're really playing the game for that specific purpose, like that's that's a a side piece of the game that you can pursue. But like, is that is that really the, the point of a space adventure, like fighting massive alien type of game? <laughs> like, why do we need to, why do we need to shoehorn political, cultural nonsense into platform or into media that is supposed to be just strictly for entertainment value and what you get out of it? Well, I, I know why. I know why they're doing it. Yeah. So the the short of it is because they don't want you to have a, a sort of an escape to be able to get away and just enjoy something like that. And they want you to have to consume their messaging. And the biggest vector of attack, if, if you if you've been paying attention, like the way that they've done it is through the gaming media. So like Kotaku is, is one of the worst gaming journalist outlets because every time a new game comes out, it's, uh, you know, even if even the new Call of Duty game, like uh, the, the Call of Duty Black Ops game, they were like, this doesn't have a, a non-binary option for you to select for your character. And they, they, even, they even added it, they added one and they called it Classified. Which was which fit into the story like okay your character is classified he's he, you know you, you're not disclosing their gender so that, that could have been that could have been fine but no they were mad about that so then they had to actually have an a non-binary gender option in the campaign even though it didn't matter like none of it mattered because your character is generic soldier number one hundred 
Yeah, I feel that entirely. Like going back to the Far Cry 6 example, there's another thing. I didn't know how far we were going to go with it. So I didn't know if I would bring this one up. But like there's this one NPC in the game that basically every time they appear, <laughs> I'm going to say they because I don't really know. Because I don't, I don't really, I don't know enough about the game. I don't care. But like every single time that character brings up like, you don't understand what it's like for me being in this horrible country because I'm trans and it's like, it's horrible for everybody. It's literally an authoritarian regime. That's like torturing its citizens. Like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, you're also like a group that's often marginalized, but like nobody has a good in the country. It's a game about mindless violence where you're just taking a bunch of evil people. Why do you have to hand this that in? (laughs) No, got to push that narrative, baby. <laughs> well, yeah, got- I, 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 no, I, I have watched somebody play that game. Uh, you know, he, he's one of the one of the YouTubers I watch. Uh, he he talks about a lot of politics, but he, he decided to play the game and stream it. And uh, he, <laughs> he he was rolling his eyes every time because the uh, you know they're gorillas fighting, and for some reason they have to be concerned with all of these you know, different um, nuances about how these, you know, these people and their characters and the relationship uh, when they're just trying to overthrow the, like, like you said, the authoritarian regime. And basically they had to bring about, you know, like real communism essentially. And it's like, why, <laughs> why does that, why does that have to be the, the story that like, okay, you're going to overthrow an authoritarian and bring about real communism. <laughs> and that one doesn't even get a because video game excuse. That's <laughs> Well, y'all got anything else? I feel like we covered a lot of topics and and we covered a lot of stuff that I kind of just wanted to shoot the shit about. So I appreciate that greatly. Uh, go ahead and plug whatever you got going on, and uh, and we'll call it a call it a show. Yeah, so uh, I'm Troy Fifty Daniel. You know, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I post there, and uh, also, you know, I, I stream over on Twitch. So if you want to go follow my streams there, I play video games there primarily. Uh, you know, and lately I've been streaming Elden Ring. So if you want to go see that game, you know, come come follow the streams. Come on, John, plug something. He might still be having connection issues. No. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like kind of doing something right now. Like I had to <laughs> go outside, grab some groceries. Um, I mean, like, as you can see, like I have my username on my name on here. You can like follow that. It's more of a political Twitter, though, not a gaming Twitter. But, you know, I'm assuming most people here are usually for your politics, right? Yeah, this is maybe the second or third gaming type of thing I've done. And usually it's just me and my son talking about uh, shooting the shit about video games that we've been playing or something, not, not really doing any deep dives on games. So, so yeah, they would, uh, if they're looking for politics, you're probably, you're probably a better option for that. Yeah. Like I'm planning on streaming eventually, but I don't actually have it right now. So I'm not going to plug it. Can't do it really. So (laughs) Sounds good. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I I delve into some political stuff, but you know, usually, usually I, I kind of keep uh, my my Twitter normie normie friendly. 
Mine is not at all normie friendly. In fact, it's probably more normie abrasive than anything. But that's uh, probably a, that's probably a, a, a apt description of my personality. Anyway, well, guys, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. I enjoy uh, not talking about a whole lot of political stuff and just talking about video games because it, it is a huge passion of mine. That's and has been for. I, I guess I'm part of a uh, unique generation that like I got to. I still remember the original Nintendo when like when my uncle first got it when it first came out and like that was really cool and and saving up money to buy a Sega when the Sega Genesis first came out and like uh, taking apart take like we had we had multiple PS2 like the PS2 slims um, and different different parts would like malfunction or break or stop working so so I remember having three ps2s like completely torn apart and stripping parts from all of them to make one functional ps2 out of out of like three that had all broken for varying reasons like so so i've had a i've gotten to come up through gaming and and see a whole bunch of change over the last you know 30 years and it's been a lot of fun so um, thanks guys for uh indulging me a little bit and and talking about gaming and i look forward to interacting more with you all on twitter and you know, I've got a Twitch account. I may have to, I may have to check you out, Trey. I'll, uh, I'm starting to get a little bit, get a little bit more into the watching gaming stuff. Uh, my buddy Alan Mosley, who does the show, uh, at, uh, it's too late. He did, he did, did a, uh, a gaming stream last night where he and a few other like guys who watched the show played a game, and it was wildly hilarious because. He actually knew what he was doing, and the other three completely sucked. And so, it, like ninety percent of them gaming was him going back and just reviving them over and over again because they kept dying. So it was, it was, it was great. And I never really thought of watching somebody play video games as being something that I would be interested in. But after watching that, I feel like I might have more of an interest. And maybe it's just because of how hilariously bad. Uh, the, the normal guys who were playing with him were, but like I could, I could see you spending some time watching games. Uh, so thanks again, guys for coming on and I will catch y'all later. <laughs>